think I did. I think I made it there. But after moseying through all the Vatican galleries, you finally come to the entrance to the Sistine Chapel. This is the, the moment that you've been waiting for. Once you step into the Sistine Chapel, it'll take you a minute to get over how many people are in the large chapel, and they are all looking towards the ceiling. Once you find a spot where you won't be constantly pushed by the crowd, you finally look up. It's amazing. It's beautiful. The Sistine Chapel is one of the true jewels of the art world. After spending four years painting it, Michelangelo finished his masterpiece in 1512, and the chapel at that time just went into daily use. During that time, the only light source came from candles. As the candles burned year after year after year, the beautiful work of art was obscured. Soot began to rise to the ceiling, blackening everything. After over 400 years of Soot and grime and dust collected. It's almost unrecognizable. The original art was in desperate need of restoration. Like the Sistine Chapel, our lives have been marred by sin, disfigured, covered by the soot of it. People are in desperate need of divine restoration. That's what we're going to be looking at today in this passage, a very well-known passage of the healing of the lame beggar. People need divine restoration. And you and I know somebody who does absolutely beautiful work. We're going to be looking at four stages of this restoration that takes place today. The first stage, and it has to do with our part in this restoration process that God initiates and completes in an individual, is that you and I are placed in the path of the broken with divine intention. Read verses 1 through 3 with me. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple." When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. Routine. 
Peter and John are doing what? They're on their routine. They have devoted themselves to prayer. And now we see them going up at a very specific time. It is the ninth hour. It is the hour of prayer. And in this routine, God is going to bring someone across their path. Folks, this is something that you and I are going to see throughout the book of Acts, that God is, either brings us to people or he brings others to us in order for us to give them what they need, exactly what we see here. We are introduced to our characters, Peter, John, and this lame beggar. It's not given a name, and I think for a reason. And the scene is actually contrasted with this man. Here they are at this beautiful gate. Most likely, this was the Nicanor Gate, and it was described as Josephus, by Josephus, as being a gate that was made of Corinthian bronze, and it far exceeded in value those that were plated with gold and silver, or silver and gold. But what's the contrast? In the context or in the surroundings of this beautiful gate, we have a not-so-beautiful life, do we? We have a beautiful work of man, but then we have this man who needs help and intervention. Colonel Powell was a great American military leader who also was a lifelong fixer. According to an obituary in the New York Times, it says this, until his final days, Colonel Powell remained preoccupied with fixing things. The former Secretary of State and four-star general tinkered endlessly in his garage, sometimes as a welder and sometimes as an auto mechanic. He was a regular at the neighborhood hardware store in McLean, Virginia, where he rummaged through parts for his house's malfunctioning dishwasher or leaky faucets. His fixes often left something to be desired aesthetically, but they satisfied his compulsion to repair things rather than discard that which was broken. When he was fixing things, a lifelong friend said that there was a result at the end of the day. That's why he was so happy as an army officer. You could take a platoon and you could make it better. But in the end, there were some things he couldn't fix. In 2019, he was diagnosed with plasma cell cancer and he died in October 21. He also admitted throughout his life that there were a lot of broken things in this world that neither he nor the United States could fix. Here this man is, this beautiful gate made by human hands, but he is absolutely powerless to fix himself. And man is absolutely powerless to give this man exactly what he needs. Can you imagine the situation? 
born that way from birth? Day after day? Not being able to walk, and here he is being, being had to be carried by people? The, the shame and the humiliation? And he is dependent upon the offerings of others. We may be able to make the outside of things look really good, but you and I can do nothing for the marred reality on the inside. This man was in desperate need of help. He was in desperate need of divine intervention, and God's timing is always beautiful. As a matter of fact, there's a play on words here with this word beautiful, because the word beautiful actually means at the right time or season. So this man, as ugly in the world's eyes may be, God's timing is perfect because he has placed two individuals in his life today, didn't he? God sees this man. He notices him. And he places John and Peter in his path today. Folks, people may not be physically disabled like this man, but they are spiritually nonetheless. People are absolutely powerless to help themselves. And you and I can play a part in the work that God wants to do in their lives. You and I pass by people like this all the time. Maybe not physically broken, but spiritually broken. Question is, do we see them? Peter and John could easily have said to him, no, 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 we're going to go up to prayer. we got something more important to do. But as we're going to see, that's not what they do. God sees them and God has compassion on them in their given condition. And our responsibility is to give them what they need. Brings us to our next stage. We should give them what we have without hesitation. Verses 4 through 6. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. Tina Blessed writes in today's Christian. He says, my nine-year-old son, Austin, once had his tonsils removed she says, before the surgery, the anesthesiologist came in to start an IV. He was wearing a cool surgical cap covered in colorful frogs. Austin absolutely loved that frog hat. When the doctor started to leave, Austin called out, hey, wait. The doctor turned around and he said, yeah, buddy, what do you need? Do you go to church? No, the doctor admitted. I know I, I probably should, but I, but I don't. I just want to stop there for a second. How many times has the doctor asked you 
if you're doing something in your life? Are you exercising and you sheepishly come back and you're like, no, I, I don't, but I, I probably should. Now, Austin, this nine-year-old boy, has actually turned the tables completely on the doctor. So then Austin then asks him, are you saved? Chucking nervous, chuckling nervously, the doctor said, nope. But after talking to you, maybe it's something I should consider. Pleased with his response, Austin answered, well, you should. Because Jesus is great. I'm sure he is, little guy, the doctor said, and then quickly made his exit. When, Austin, when Austin's surgery was finished, the anesthesiologist came into the waiting room to talk to the mom. And he said that the surgery went well, and he said, Mrs. Blessed, I don't usually come down to talk to the patients after the surgery, but I had to tell you what your son did. And she's thinking, oh, what did this little rascal do now? The doctor explained that when he had put the mask on Austin to put him to sleep, Austin blurted out, wait a minute, wait a minute. We have to pray. The doctor told him, go ahead. And Austin prayed. He says, dear Lord, please let all the doctors and nurses have a good day. And Jesus, please let the doctor with the frog hat get saved and start going to church. Amen. The doctor said to the mom that this really touched him. He said, I was sure he would pray that his surgery would go well, but he didn't even mention it. He prayed, he prayed for me. After this, a nurse came to pick up the mom. I know this is a long one, but follow with me. There's like keeps going. The doctor's going to walk through the door any second. The nurse says, look, there's something you need to know. Some of the other nurses and I have been witnessing and praying for that doctor for years. She said, after your son's surgery, he tracked us down in the hallway. And he said, well, girls, you got me. If that little boy could pray for me when he was about to have his surgery, then I think maybe I need his Jesus. Folks, I want you to see what is happening here in this story and what this little boy Austin, Austin does. Here's, Austin is the one in need, right? Austin, Austin is the one who, who needs the doctor, but what Austin realizes the doctor needs who? The great physician. And Austin, a nine-year-old boy, gives him what he has, what he knows he needs. That's what Peter and John give to this man. I don't have gold, I don't have silver, I don't have those things that can help you out, but guess what? I know somebody who can. We need to give them Jesus. That's what they need, that's who they need. All the money in the world isn't gonna help them. You can give them the riches in Christ. I absolutely love that story. Austin gets the doctor's attention, <laughs> just like Peter and John get the lame beggar's attention. They say, fix, look at us. I don't have this. I don't have this, but I do have 
Jesus Christ. We need to just give them Jesus. You don't have to be an apostle. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be an apologist. You just give them Jesus. Nine-year-old boy did. And look at the result. Because Jesus is the one who has the power and the authority to heal and give individuals what they need for salvation. That's what Peter says here. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, in Jesus' name, by his power and by his authority. Remember, when Jesus was on the mountain, before he ascends into heaven, he says what? All authority has been given to me, therefore do what? Go, go and give them Jesus. Because I have the power and the authority to heal the broken. And we're going to see right after this, Peter again is going to point away from man to do absolutely anything and point to the one who can. That's what people need. People today need Jesus Christ and the world is full of broken people and you and I can give them who we have. That's what we're here for. All the money in the world isn't going to help them. All of man's ingenuity is not going to help them. Jesus Christ is going to help them. I was talking with Sarah the other day, and she was sharing with me about the uh, radio, two broadcasters on the Christian radio. And it made me think of this, because they were sharing some, I guess a girl was telling about her new hair dryer. She was going around telling her friends how this hair dryer changed her life or something. I don't know. Maybe, you know, it's just made my hair look like a movie star hair. She'd go around and you tell, hey, I get this new hair dryer. We don't, I don't need a hair dryer. My hair dries just like that. But, but then the other guy started talking about other products that we have that change our life, right? And what do we do? We go tell people, hey, you got to try this. And it's just really great, you know. I did it the other day with someone. I had allergies. They had allergies. I said, you know what I'm using? I'm using this, this pill. It's great. It does, does wonders. And, and I, the point of their conversation then turns to, well, we have Jesus Christ. We, we have Jesus Christ who has actually changed our lives, who has transformed our lives. Are we doing the same thing? Are we going out and we, we telling people and evangelizing them and telling them of the, the hope and the, and the life that can be found in Jesus Christ? That's what Austin does. That's what Peter and John do. They give them Jesus. And Christ is the one who can do a work that is beyond all of our expectations. Verse 3. I mean, sorry. Point 3. Christ can do a work beyond expectations. Verses 7 and 8. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Speaking about the power of Christ to 
transform sinners and redeem sinners and also to build His church. Russell Moore in 2015 wrote this. He said, the next Billy Graham might be drunk right now. The next Jonathan Edwards might be the man driving in front of you with the Darwin Fish bumper decal. The next Charles Wesley might be currently a misogynistic, profanity-spewing hip-hop artist. The next Charles Spurgeon might be managing an abortion clinic. The next Augustine of Hippo might be a sexually promiscuous cult member right now, just like, well, come to think of it, the first Augustine of Hippo was. But the Spirit of God, the power of Christ, can turn all of that around, and He delights in doing so. Amen? God, through the power of Christ, the Holy Spirit, transforms broken people's lives. That's what he is in the business of doing. Christ is in the restoration business. And he does beautiful, beautiful work, just like he does for this man here. You and I have absolutely no idea what Christ can do in the life of an individual, but we are all testimonies of it, are we not? This man did not expect this, and I think sometimes as Christians, we don't expect this. And, And I think Luke is trying to tell us, hey, maybe we should what? Expect this, because it's the same Jesus today. He could do a transforming work in anybody beyond our expectations. You, you might know, and I'm not, I'm not telling you this so that you can give me gifts or anything today. It's my, my 49th birthday, 49th birthday today. Well, thank you. There is no, no better gift than, than to be here with all of you. And if you asked me 25 years ago or told me 25 years ago that on, on my 49th birthday I'd be preaching the gospel of Christ in a wonderful, beautiful, loving church, I would have said you were absolutely crazy. I didn't expect Christ to do this. I didn't expect any of this. I'm sure you could say the same for all of your lives. He transforms people, folks. He restores them. He makes them whole. I think we have higher expectations for people than we do for God. God wants us to see the power of Christ in a life. He wants us to trust that He can use us by giving people the gospel of Christ and that He can do that in someone's life. 
the man, the man definitely seems shocked, I think, because Peter actually it seems like has to help him up. He does, he, Peter tells him to walk by the power and authority of Jesus Christ. And, and the guy's like, what do you mean? And, and Peter actually has to help him up. But as soon as that man realizes, he goes from, from being broken, from sitting there to doing what? He's standing, but he's not just standing. He's walking. He's not shuffling. <laughs> and he's not just walking. He's doing what? He's leaping. And he's not just leaping. He's what? He's praising. And that is absolutely amazing. <laughs> is it not? He's gone from begging to praising. What a transformation. God not only gives him new feet, he gives him a new purpose for his life. No longer is he dependent upon the handouts of others. Now he is, he's praising and proclaiming and giving people what they need. guess we should start expecting that. Having faith that Christ can change someone like that. This man was looking for change, but he got changed instead. He was looking for a handout, but Christ gave him new feet and gave him a new purpose. Our original purpose in life we were created to bring glory to God. And He does just that. No longer is He asking others for help, but He's pointing others to the one who can. Christ's work changes everything. We live for Him. We have a purpose. We have a hope. And our lives become a testimony to His work and grace. What Christ does for this man, he can do for others today, can he not? This man has a new life. He's absolutely changed forever. It's a miracle. So is salvation. It is instantaneous and it is permanent. It is an eternal, restorative, beautiful work of God. God makes all things beautiful in his time, does he not? And the people are no longer fascinated with the gate or the temple. They are in awe of the work of Christ. The world will take note of the beautiful transformation. Verses 9 through 10. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. If you go back to the, the Vatican museums, you know how long they are? Anyone know? Nine miles. Nine miles long, the Vatican museums. If you spent only one minute admiring each painting, it would take you four years to see them all. I feel like they should just hand them out then, cut down that time, give them away. 
They receive over 25,000 visitors a day in a peak season. That's more than half a million visitors per month lining up to view Michelangelo's famous frescoed ceiling in the Sistine Chapel. Half a million. Here's one woman's take on visiting the Sistine Chapel. She said the artwork is absolutely beautiful, but the crowds are terrible. (laughs) There were over 400 people stacked into this church like a can of sardines. All of them gazing up at the beautiful work of Michelangelo. We have come full circle in this man's life, haven't we? The man at the beautiful gate is now the main attraction. Not gazing at the temple, not gazing at the gate, They're gazing at the transformation that Christ did in this individual. The people are looking at the work that was done in him with wonder and amazement. I mean, for us, that's ongoing, isn't it? We're displays of Christ's glory. We get to display the transformative power of Jesus Christ in our lives every day get people's attention, glorifying him and the work that he can do. How many years did this man sit at that gate? Born that way, year after year, day after day, poor, disheveled, begging for money, dirty. A man who, with, that people probably tried to avoid to make eye contact with, a man who, who people, if they did look at him, they saw him as, as having no hope. Maybe they even looked upon him with disdain. Maybe they looked down upon him as they made their way into the beautiful temple. No longer is he viewed upon as pitiful or ugly or broken. No longer is he someone that they are trying to avoid making eye contact with. They can keep their eyes off of him. He is a leaping testimony to the beautiful work of Christ. They see him and they know it's the same man, but one that has been radically changed. What a a wonderful and beautiful picture of the work of Christ. Work that he can do in our lives, that he has done in our lives, and a work that he can do in the lives of the broken people that are out there. I can't stress this enough. If we want to see people changed like this, they need Jesus Christ, and you have them. Don't you? Christ doesn't work in us, and he uses that work as an attraction for others. And matter of fact, what is happening here then sets, Peter doesn't miss a beat again. He uses that to point people right back to the one who did it. And so goes the cycle. We're transformed by Christ and His grace. He forgives us of our sin. We then 
can go out and give that gift to other people and they go ahead and do the same. And I hope we see what God wants us to see, that the gift of Christ can transform a life from broken to beautiful. We pass by Him every day. We pass by Him every day. God brings people into our lives who need His healing power. Do we see them that way? And though they may not seem that way on the outside, inside they are marred and ravaged by sin and suffering and pain. We may not be able to fix everything in their lives, but we know someone who can fix the main thing. Maybe they are too proud to ask. Maybe they've tried repeatedly to save themselves and they know they cannot. Jesus is in the business of restoring broken people's lives. He did it for us and he can do it for them. Give them Jesus Christ. It's who they need. Give them the gift of Christ and watch him do a work beyond all expectations. You and I have absolutely no idea of the life that may be drastically and fundamentally changed because we took the time to give someone the gospel of Christ. And then that person takes our place, becomes a testimony to his beautiful work. The Sistine Chapel is without a doubt beautiful. But nothing compares to the beautiful work that Christ can do in the lives of broken people. Father, we thank you for that work, Lord, and the work that you have done and continue to do in our lives, that transforming work, but also that work that you can do in the lives of those that are out there. Thank you for your word and instructing us in, in this way. I pray, Lord, that when we see people and meet people like this, when you bring these individuals across our paths, that we don't hesitate to give them the one who can help them. Give us boldness. Give us courage, Lord. Keep our eyes open to seeing what you are doing in our lives and the lives of others Lord, give us the faith and confidence, not in ourself, but in Jesus Christ and his power to save. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.